listening to a 9to5.cc podcast. Hey everyone, just a quick reminder that if you're going to be making any purchases on Amazon.com, Amazon.ca, or Zazzle.com, please go to www.9to5.cc first and click the links in the sidebar or at the bottom of the page to support the site. It makes no difference to you, but it really helps us out a lot. Enjoy the show. Thanks. December 9th, recorded live <laughs> in the 90s studios in downtown 90s. On December 9th, 2014, this is 9 to 5 Entertainment System 75. What do we talk about? We talk about so many things. We start with a tribute to Jean Beliveau. We talk about how Canadians tribute. We talk about England banning our favorite porns. We talk about the Ukraine and Syria and death from above, life after death from above 1979. Maybe not our favorite porn. We talk about things that make me special. Not really, though. (laughs) 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 And we talk about The Godfather. uh, And we talk about Interstellar, uh, the movie Haywire. We talk about things UFC, CM Punk, and wrestling. And then, of course, we segue right into futured and futureless languages and how they relate to personal finance. That's just how we do. 9 to 5, 75. If they need to mic check before a concert and they haven't sorted that shit out by just saving the preference from, like the, from, from the, the sound band. check earlier, or, or from the sound check from the night before, or whatever. Yeah, like exactly. No, each venue is going to have a different audio right. reaction. It's fine, That's but I different. don't have like something to save on a computer. I have a physical knob <coughs> change, which I change when I record. Oh, plug also yourself w- with other people. We, s- we also. Oh, wh- what is my knob setting at now? We swap headsets okay. every time. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Knob <laughs> setting. Uh, my God. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we almost welcome everyone to 95 Entertainment System. A special anniversary episode with us is episode number 75. Is it? Yeah, is, it? is it really? 75. Is that I- including or excluding the, the, the CSIS band lost episodes? This is number 75. <laughs> when it goes up on the website, it will be number <laughs> we'll 75. We'll say number 75. Ain't no stopping us. Okay. Guys, I have so many things to talk about. Do you? Because I was thinking this was going to be a special episode and I have nothing to talk about. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have like a bunch of things. There's like a bunch of current events stuff. There's a bunch of like pop culture stuff. Uh huh. Why don't we start with the really freaking sweet documentary we wanted to get to? I was gonna say that's not that current event. I was gonna start with the fact that tonight, yeah, as we speak, okay, there uh, in about an hour there will be a special tribute to to Mr. Beliveau. John Beliveau. That's right. There's all sorts of stuff going on surrounding this. His uh, his wake has been for the past two days. So it's Sunday and Monday at the Bell Center. Um, They have the cup there, right? Yeah, yeah. They have all. They have his like. All the trophies he won. Mm-hmm. They had like the Bernard Ross in there. Like, I don't know. I don't even know how many trophies existed <laughs> when he was playing, but I'm pretty sure he won all the ones he was eligible for. Right. <laughs> like, I was like, I feel like the Rocket Richard trophy didn't exist yet. Nope. <laughs> considering that they barely played together. But anyway, uh-huh. so yeah, he, all his trophies were there. There's a fucking super, super nice picture of Guy Lafleur kneeling in front of it, like all alone. Like, there was like nobody in the shot. And wow. he's like, like kind of like sitting in the in the field in the sports cut yeah there's uh there's also a picture they had um like a single spot on his chair mm-hmm. cuz he has this with the chair three rows up on the Habs bench yep in the red there's like a spot on his chair with like the number 4 banner like like draped over it crazy like in the entire arena was like all dark so i was like ooh again more feels do you, do you think the LA Kings were going to name Stanley Cup champion uh, 
soft serve Korean dish in Paris. That's how like not the the curry de mele, but like they yeah. bring it around. Yeah, yeah. And North America, and they were just like, okay, we're just gonna not do that for the rest of our lives. So yeah, because it's gonna be it's gonna be the bell bell. Another thing that's kind of interesting that's happening is uh, tomorrow, so Wednesday, so the day before this came ju- came out, mm-hmm. um, there's going to be the official funeral at the uh, Connery Jumont there, the, you know, the church on René Yep. And the police were like, this has nothing to do with our strike, and this has nothing to do with our relationship with the mayor, mm-hmm. but for tomorrow, all the officers assigned to this will be wearing proper uniforms. Mm-hmm. Start your hockey camp. Yeah. Oh, shit. And I was like, that, and I was like, that's like so important. And like, <laughs> in a way, I was like, because they're like, you know what? <laughs> like, I don't want these pictures to look fucking stupid with me in my like shitty camo pants, shi- yeah. shitty camos and whatever. They're like, this is thi- and like, and obviously, like, our grievance has nothing to do with Mr. Beliveau, and it'll be like, right. it's like a sign of respect to him. It means nothing in terms of the strike and the ongoing like issue that they're having. Wonderful. Yeah, it's fucking super awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I kind of wanted to pop over on Monday. I was going to even see if I could go on a break. Mm-hmm. But a uh, friend of the website, Mark Patterson, mm-hmm. um, messaged me. And he was like, yeah, there's like an hour waiting list for us to, yeah. to, to get in. And it's like, they'll, they'll hustle you. Like, you can get in, receive a casket, and uh, move get on. Out. Which makes sense. Like that I, I was actually one like thinking, uh, I, I went around with my dad, and we drove by the oratory on Sunday. And mm-hmm. I was thinking, like... Would they do it at the oratory? Would they do that? I think they, they might have. I mean, like, I certainly yeah. know that the the Saint Marie du Mont is not a. Is it special to him, or? Well, it's a block from the Bell Tower, so I think that that it's sort of like because of its proximity to the rink. Right. Is kind okay, of yeah. why it's the like also for the moving of the body. I guess there's there's probably even going to be a procession with the casket. Like not that he ever played at the Bell Tower. No, but you know, he worked there. He did work there. Yeah. There's chairs there. Yeah. Yeah. He's probably seen. More games. Are you sure that's not a hockey? I don't think he was probably going to see every game until until he became an ambassador. Yeah, but sixty three to ninety five. He was a member of the junior Canadians in sixty three. Like no, but I'm saying nineteen ninety five when the Flames was thirty two years. As, yeah. as a spectator, in the past twenty years, he's barely missed a game because he became the ambassador in like the early nineties, right? Yeah, I'm still gonna say no. I think that's playing career. I think he's had plays. I'm just saying as a spectator. I didn't say playing career. Well, I said I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying he's definitely spent a lot of time at the I'm, I'm going to arbitrarily say he saw exactly the same number of games. Precisely the, the exact same right. number. I call Edge. There you go. Edge. Anyway, <laughs> I think it's really it's really kind of kind of interesting and everything and uh, reading all the all the crazy stories and stuff like he used to basically do um, like the equivalent of Make a Wish Foundation stuff like mm-hmm. in a time before Make a Wish ex- like Existed. Yeah, like you could call him up and be like, "Hey, my son really would." You like couldn't necessarily call him up, but like, yeah. I- but if he got wind that your sick kid like wanted to meet John Beliveau, there's like a chance he would just meet John Beliveau, and John Beliveau would just like drive up to your house and be like, "Hello." Yeah. <laughs> like, w- where's sick little Jimmy? You know, and you're like, "What the shit?" You actually met him, right? Yeah, I met yeah. him once. Uh, What's the story? He was um, worked with the uh, NUHC, mm-hmm. um, the Yale University Health System part of a death care for life program mm-hmm. which like uh focus on patients yeah but he has his know. own charity charity for disabled kids too right Char- like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. charity in montreal is a big thing there yeah um and he was also a patient at prairie canada mm-hmm. and i met him once when he was waiting for a checkup just in the corridor yeah like i was walking to my office and i just i gave him a little nod and said you know what's going on and he, he stood up and he said hello and he smiled and it was just like it's really hard to explain 
when you meet someone who's so much classier than you're ready to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, you just become instantly aware of what you're wearing. Yeah. Like he's there for a checkup with his doctor and he's wearing a suit and you're just like, I work here. I shouldn't be wearing suits over this mic. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I, w- I was wearing nicer clothes. I was <laughs> matting your hair down. I wish I <laughs> shaved. Yeah, <laughs> exactly like that. Yeah. And it's just y- like I was too young to really watch him play, but yeah. you know I know who he is and mm. said hello. And it, like it's completely different. I met a, a few hockey players like at the hockey store and stuff, huh. and most of them very casual, very sociable, chatty. And they yeah. called it Kirill, and it sounded clever and stuff like this all those are people I met uh, at Kovalev yeah. once not at work but at the uh, movie theater the movie theater yeah and they were all just like normal <laughs> dudes and it, you did not get that impression from from one of them <laughs> yeah. it was just he was just like he was like the boss guy yeah. yeah and yeah. and like also like fantastic fantastic player by like all of that it's like as like I think it was uh it was Pat or whatever who was talking about just like how footage of him looks like almost slow motion because he was like so casual with the puck, but like so completely in control of it. Like compared to like what is it? I think it was only it was one or two years where him and Rocket played together, right? It was on the end of Rocket's career at the beginning mm. of his career. Like uh, it's it's a very small period of time because like Rocket and because like it was kind of like the 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 torch of like the French Canadian idealized hockey player was like Rocket into Belleville kind of mm. thing. So there was a very very small overlap, but it was like so different. Uh, I was like watching like some old highlights and stuff like that. Like you watch Rocket, and it's like he's all intensity. And you watch Belleville, and you're like, he just looks like so casual, but like nobody can take the puck off him. <laughs> he can skate faster than everybody. Like and you're just sort of like, what the shit? And right. he's just like, hey, and then he just like scores, you know? And you're just like, w- would you say Gretzky was on his being on another level? Um, I don't think he was necessarily on another level. He was just playing hockey. Like he was, he wasn't like inventing the game like Gretzky was. He was just playing the game better than kind of everybody. Okay, like if that. It wasn't like he was like he was six three in the mid sixties. Right. Yeah, he was a power forward before power forwards were like a thing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like couldn't get knocked off the puck or nothing. He's yeah. also very tall. <laughs> yeah, like six three is very tall. You put him in skates, he's six six. Right. Yeah. Le gros bill. <laughs> no, like he's wearing a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> His shoulder is right there at your teeth. Yeah. yeah. It's gonna make you question going into the boards when he's behind you. Yeah. And they're gonna do a thing at the game tonight. Yeah, they're doing. Uh, I think this is the first. The the fi- the, the first thing that they uh, n- started doing right away as soon as he died is they all have uh, black number fours yeah. stitched onto their jerseys, and uh, they I think they also Minnesota Wild who they played the first game had a tribute to Belleville yep. before the game. Uh, the Hawks had a tribute to Belleville before the game. Don't know if Dallas did, but I'm assuming Dallas did. Yep. I'm assuming they yeah, did. I heard that on the radio. Yeah, exactly. Like crazy. every team that they're playing, which I was like, we're also on a huge losing streak, which is just like kind of sucks uh-huh. for the team. <laughs> but it's like it's to like have an idea of like the magnitude of this. Like these are like he's never played in like Minnesota, Dallas. Like he's he's played in Minnesota. Played in Minnesota. He's never he never played in Dallas. Never played in Dallas. Yeah. Uh, right. He's obviously played in Chicago. Yeah. But like there's like places where he's never even played. <laughs> you know, it's like Dallas did not have a hockey team when he retired, kind of right, thing. right. And you're just like that across the league, like tribute to him, like every place that they've been so far, which yeah. I guess is kind of got. I don't. I can't think this. Uh, Bobby Orr, Orr maybe. Who went through this for? Maybe Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's kind of about it. As long as Gretzky's wife doesn't screw up anymore, like you know, that's pretty much it. 
about it in years to come. <laughs> you know, it's just like <laughs> I don't think that'll affect. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> is is Twitter going to be around for any length of time? Because maybe, yeah. maybe Messenger. You think? Maybe Broder. Maybe Broder. Like Messenger captain two teams, which are like uh, Norna and Red. So yeah, yeah, yeah. As captains. But either way, these guys aren't going to drive for another thirty years or something. Yeah. Right? I think I knock wood. Bobby Bobby Orr's not around anymore. Yeah, exactly. Or he's or a healthy guy. Yeah, I mean, like, and like as an example, like other hockey people have passed away recently. Like, what's his name? Uh, who just passed away? Coach. Pat Quinn. Pat Quinn. Yeah. Pa- Pat Quinn is a huge name in hockey. He wasn't getting tribute, like every right. like the t- his the team played a tribute and that was kind of like it you know like anyway crazy crazy go nuts huh. yep. still in recent modern also man if just just one more thing on that like that's why you play for the Canadians like the tribute tonight is going to be crazy yeah emotional and and perfect and there's no other team in sports that will do that yeah hmm. like even like just, the just the the number retirements you're just like well, like when they, uh, why the fuck did I just forget his name? Who was the big three? Serge Savard, Larry Robinson, Guy Lapointe. Okay. When they retired Lapointe's number this year, right? They were the big three defensemen, which was, like I said, Serge Savard, Larry Robinson, Guy Lapointe. Right. And, like, referred to in media as the big three. And it's, like, just, like, stuff, like, it's, like, it's super minor, but it's, like, they lowered down Savard and Robinson's numbers. And like to to put like Lapointe between them so all three of them could go up. Like they've been retired for like years and shit. Robinson took the night off from like Dallas to be there. Right. You know, like who the hell knows what Serge Savard has going on? (laughs) He's in Montreal. He's hot. Yeah, exactly. He's he's on TV all the time, so I guess he's available. But it's like like Robinson has like duties. Like his team was playing in Dallas, and he's like, yeah, like they understood that I was going to be here. Right. For for Dryden and for Hoas, when they retired the number instead of raising it at center ice, they raised it over the goal crease. Yeah, just, just like just detail little stuff. Yeah. yeah, apparently they're 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 talking about uh, having something happen with his seats. I don't know exactly what it's going to be, but I was like, I think it'd be pretty badass if they just had like a statue. I'm like they can do with like one less ticket sale. If there's just like a bronze statue, like a Bellevue statue, just like in that chair. That's pretty intense. Like for oh Evsies. God. Like, do you put him in the suits or do you put him? I think you put him like in the suits. Like he's like he's sitting on a bench. No, you put him in the suit because that's. That's why, specifically, apparently, why he's three rows up and not closer is so that he couldn't hear the bench, so that he could enjoy the game, right? Like that's <laughs> like, like he was like, if I can hear the bench, I will be paying attention to what's going on the bench, and I won't be watching the game. What's on the ice? What's on yeah. the ice? Exactly. So it's like I guess he, like, he maybe did some tests <laughs> to figure <laughs> like how far up he had to be so he could like tune out the noise of what's going on the bench. That's why he sat like three rows up. He could have had any fucking seat he wanted in the place. They're like, do you want a lodge or whatever? He's like, no. Like, I want to just seat for him and his wife a few rows up so he couldn't hear the bench so I think I think you put him in the suit like cause the him it's gotta be really weird for his wife <laughs> <laughs> she still has a seat what the fuck cause he already has the bronze statue right yeah. I was trying to remember who the fourth player was who has a statue right it's Lafleur, it's Lafleur Richard, Richard Belvo <coughs> and maybe Henri maybe the like fourth one yeah it's four is it Dryden it must be Dryden no it's not Dryden Dryden has the statue in, in the, the mall, mall <laughs> and then yeah. like the yeah. Yeah, I could not remember who had the because they're all those statues are getting moved around because of condos. But they brought that statue out also for his wife. Anyway, huh. I don't know. I, I don't think they're gonna put a statue in the center. There's no way. Really? Fire. There's a fire issue. Having people walk by it. 
I don't know. I guess on both sides of that spectrum. Yeah, exactly. It's true. I, I, I feel like it would, it would, that would be like a potential reason to keep an insurance thing. I don't know. Okay. More so than like. I will, I will wager to you. One by that logic, Canadian fat people quarter. can't go to the game because maybe they'll fall down and well be a fire hazard. We're technically mobile, but I think also the rights of the people. Oh, whatever. This is a stupid conversation. <laughs> we're gonna see. I think. <laughs> I just think. I think it would be pretty badass if there was just like. A statue there, just like always. I agree. That would be that super. That would be pretty sick. Anyway, uh -huh. other current event stuff. I have another current event thing. Go for it. Uh, so we heard about. If you read, this is more like internet and porn news. I did. <laughs> I know what you're gonna talk about. Talking about England banning all sorts of things yeah. in their pornography. <laughs> I don't know but if you heard but about like not not like ridiculous pornography. You know, like. Well, I it's not like if you're like okay, like they're banning things. It and was like face sitting and talking dirty. Well, and t talking abusive, spanking. Yeah, no spanking. No spanking can be in porn anyway. In the UK, they're banning stuff. They're banning stuff that can be in porn. Yeah. And and if consent is nowhere in it, and more exciting. Do you know what I feel bad for? What I feel bad for this issue not coming out before the Scotland voters get a chance to get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> like, I like this was a game yeah. changer <laughs> issue, I think. <laughs> I think the whole separation thing could yeah. have gone completely differently <laughs> if they were just like, no more spanking. Exactly. Yeah. And it's no more It's no more spanking is for porn is produced in the UK. So it can be produced in other places. Exactly. And the, the porn itself is not legal. It is the production. But it's the production of it by UK citizens. Again, Nothing a good Scot likes more than watching an English chick get spanked. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and talk dirty to yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like anyway, so supposedly, and this is a little sad that we're a day behind. I think it's tomorrow or maybe. Yeah, there's a huge protest there's where there's going to be public face sitting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there's going to be public face sitting in uh, protest. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> this this is the modern world. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so we're going from one tribute to another. Let's get yeah. here. Exactly. <laughs> Classy tributes. <laughs> Fuck though, Ben. Like that shit blows my mind. But I it's kind of interesting to think that, like, th you know, this is the stuff that gets people in the UK protesting, right? It's like uh, some of our pornography is being limited in a very marginal way. I guess so. But I mean, yeah. but it's also <laughs> sort of telling that it's just like, it's like the most British thing ever, like. Wait. You are no longer allowed to spank. So say it the government. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what were the complaint letters that led to these members of parliament taking this issue? Uh, I have no fucking idea. Yeah. That sounds like some good Google. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like know if it's complaint letters. Like, like my name the other is Jennifer Spanks, and I've sustained severe spinal injuries <laughs> during my career as a bank actress. <laughs> It's unacceptable listen, that this has been here's allowed. Here's like, the like, why is there no smoking in bars in Montreal? Like, it took a lot of like case studies yeah. to be like. Here's the other fucked up part: harmful. is that that's this stuff is only illegal to be portrayed in pornography. So if you like regular. make a, if you make a film and there is spanking, as long as it's not a pornographic film, a okay. I guess you could even make like face sitting. Yeah, a serious drama. <laughs> <laughs> Downton face sitting. Yeah. <laughs> Lord Governor. <laughs> the Lord Governor can't come right now. He's having his face bath on. Sorry, Queen Judy Dench. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 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 the face sitting. Maybe they don't have enough to do in British Parliament. 
like, I feel like they have a lot to do. Scotland <laughs> tried to separate. <laughs> like, They're at war. <laughs> they literally need to make a country happy, like a separate country that is not theirs. They yep. need to make it happy. They're, they're at war. They're currently at war. They have no troops or they're outnumbered in battle. And the Ukraine, too? Isn't this possible? Maybe. We do. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. They often, a lot of our, they, in the UK typically sends out people wherever UK, like Canada Wherever the US them. does? No, no, wherever Canada, wherever Canada does. Canadian peacekeepers often have, like, what's from the UK stuff. Right. So, wouldn't be impossible. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's Ukraine. What's going on with that? I haven't really heard about that. Like, uh, we've gotten all distracted. John? What's happening in the Ukraine? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ukraine update. Like, are they allowed to Facebook on camera? <laughs> probably. I, I think it's Eastern Europe, and that's probably where a lot of a lot of the modern world space sitting comes from, um, or pornography anyway. I I you know I haven't heard that much changing, and every time I look into it, they're still fighting and killing each other, and um and like the big deal, th- I, I, as far as I understand, the U.S. and uh, and Western nations are still not calling it a war, despite yeah. the fact that like. You can go online and get uh, a day-by-day map of where the Russians' rockets are, like, mm-hmm. and and they fire over the border straight into the Ukraine, and they're constantly going over. And Putin still, in his public addresses, is always like, "Nope, we're not at war, and we're not actually there." Mm-hmm. And actually, Harper has been the most vociferous opponent to this whole thing. Like, he's he's like straight up calling out Russia now, and still, it's not being called a war by official it's people. Not like anybody else, and therefore the the Bucharest. Covenant or whatever it was. I, I, I'm totally bangling the name there, but the contract that the U.S. signed, where they have to come in and, and fight on behalf of the Ukraine, is still not getting called in. Mm-hmm. So, like, is Bucharest in Croatia? Uh, I have no idea. I, I I I'm sure that that's the wrong word. It might have been. The, oh, it was the Budapest Memorandum. Budapest Memorandum. Budapest Memorandum. I was so <laughs> close. But um, so there's all kinds of other stuff going. Like like Lithuania and Estonia are like getting their shit together. They're changing where they get their oil from because there's mm-hmm. that's like a huge part of the a huge part of this. I don't know. I um, I feel like it's in a holding pattern. Maybe you heard about. I heard about this thing where they were talking about um the magnitude of the Syria conflict, and they were like, Kay. if you're having like a hard time getting your head around the Syria conflict, mm-hmm. imagine if the population of Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal. And all of the Maritimes flood the country. Mm-hmm. That's happened in Syria. Also imagine... Wait, wait, wait. Are they, uh, is that like a comparison in terms of percentage of total population? No, no, no. Total or raw popu- numbers? Raw numbers. Because it's a much bigger country. Like, Syria's like... They have, uh, like, almost 100 million people in Syria. Holy total. shit. Yeah, exactly. I didn't know that. I thought it was a big, dumb desert. Y- yeah, <laughs> with 100 million people in it, which is not that big, right? That's one-third of the United States. That, like no, that's gigantic. That, that tells you how much the rest of the world hates Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got this giant fertile land, but it gets cold. Like what's for the like population five months, of the UK? So. Like almost like two London million? is like twelve million, right? Yeah, exactly. The population yeah. of the UK is like almost double that of Canada, and it's yeah. teeny tiny. Yeah. Like it's multiple UKs fit inside Quebec. But anyway, so yeah, so the actual population of Montreal, maybe only urban areas, Montreal, Vancouver, Toronto, okay, and the Maritimes fled Canada, and the city of Regina was killed, just all of it. Yeah. And they're like, that's so what's happening in Syria. Oh they're like, like they like fled from Syria to where? Other places, right? There's like okay. massive amounts of Syria refugees that have like left the country if they can. Huh. So it's like just uh, it's just to give you an idea of like the scope. But even though yes, we're a smaller country, we're yeah only yeah yeah. we're only 30 million people in a frozen wasteland uh-huh. of a country. But it's just like they're like those are still like big numbers where you're like because like Toronto, Montreal, and the Maritimes of Vancouver are probably under 20 million. Right, like, yeah. so I mean, like, yes, that is most of our population, <laughs> but those are still big cities. We've all been to them or seen them, you know. And we're like, those cities empty. Regina dead. Do do you do 
just have those numbers, or do you know exactly what's going on in Syria? I don't know what's going uh -huh. on in Syria. <laughs> I mean, other than the fact that like this is a conflict that was just started up like when Egypt started having problems. Like this is like years into the yes. second conflict, and it's like it just doesn't get news anymore because like other stuff happens that's like newer, and it's like forget about it. But like people are still fleeing a country, like banning pornography in the UK. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Headlines. Seems like. I have other stuff to talk about, but I think John wants to talk about this documentary. No, man. <laughs> I'm fucking. You're on a roll. Do it. This is my mind. This next one is not. About I don't know how you would not want to talk about the documentary. It's like one of our favorite bands, and true. we got to sit in a room with like 30 people and talk to them. Like it was pretty awesome. It is true. And then only mine and Eric's questions got asked into the promo. Into the promo. Well, uh, since we started talking. Yeah, I guess we can. This do we watched Life After Death from Above, 1979. Yes, which was a documentary that was made cataloging, I guess, the breakup as much as they could, which was mostly done through archival footage, and which was a little bit sad because it was like done through like old Much Music videos. Yeah, and it was pretty shitty, half-assed garbage of the band Death uh, from Above. Death from Above, 1979, yep. and then how they got back together like almost ten years later, and it sort of culminates with them playing their first really big show at Coachella, and mm -hmm. then there's sort of like a little bit of a, I guess, epilogue being like, yeah, they're actually making new music. Because yeah, and, and it didn't mention the new album, really. It didn't. I think it did. I think it, 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 I think it was like in a, in a, in a text over, yeah. because the movie was planned to come out last year, yeah. and then due to like production and whatever, it only came out this year. So I think they just sort of like added the little text thing, being like, by the way, the album's actually like out. Because they were recording new songs. Because they played, uh, they played like an excerpt of one of the songs in the movie. Did you like it? Yeah. Did you like the director of the documentary? Um, see, this is what we talked about a lot uh -huh. ad nauseum now. We sure did. Uh, I liked the documentary, but like exclusively because I liked the band. I did not necessarily enjoy it as a film. Uh -huh. I just enjoyed it as like some footage of the band that <laughs> was kind of cool. Yeah. Band documentaries are really all over the place. There's a lot of them, and there's it's not a lot of them. Yeah, exactly. Well, like my my big yeah. my like big comparisons were uh, Searching for Sugar Man and a band called Beth, which were both amazing documentaries about musical acts that I didn't give a shit about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like you know, like I was like, I care not for these bands. I've never, after watching those movies, looked up the music. Looked up the music, but they <laughs> were still like really good documentaries. Right. Like, and this was not a great documentary, but a band that I cared about. Well, like, <laughs> like inherent to, to being a big famous band, I, I think anyway, is is there being a good story. Like, there's always yeah. passion and egos and a shitload of money and a shitload of freedom and drugs and like energy that it takes to go on the road. And that that's like, and, like all there. It's, with it's from above. always going to be there when there's a band. And so, like, putting making a documentary about a band, there's like there's always going to be rich material to draw upon. And then it's a challenge for the filmmaker because. A lot of that stuff is super fucking dark, and you can. There are like dark stories to tell about. I'm sure virtually every major band there is. Like, can you yeah, imagine sure. if you only looked up fucked up stories from the Rolling Stones? Like, you would have this like depressing, drug fueled time, madness. He killed a girl. No, seriously. You know, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> you're just like huh? Anyway, and and uh, super quiet. This this documentary, I don't know if it really, if it really <laughs> like got into it. Like, yeah, I. It was it was so, so sugarcoated. There's two things that sort of I think. That's one. Those are those are a couple words that I really associate with BFA. Yeah, sugarcoated. Sugar <laughs> exactly. Like that's that's the one thing that you did did definitely get was that they like in the Q and A I thought was a lot better than the actual documentary. Absolutely, because they were a lot less guarded and whatever. 
and there's like two bottles of wine in, yep. <laughs> which I'm sure also helps, yep. I- is that, but you even still got the impression from the Q&A that these guys are really like bad with communicating their like emotions uh-huh. and their feelings and whatever. You got that a bit in the documentary too. And I was like, I could see as a filmmaker it being a challenge to get that stuff from them because they didn't. Well, apparently it's only a couple of bottles of wine away. <laughs> no, 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 but again, even then, they were just sort of like, like I asked the question, if you go to the Phi Center website and look at the event, you can see me and Eric asking questions. There was a whole Q&A, and we're like, here's two questions. Me and Eric. And like I asked the questions. I was like, at any point in the five years, if you weren't necessarily thinking of like getting back together, you guys weren't speaking. Like, Did you even like miss the friendship? You know, like Five years is a pretty long time to go without like arguably a dude who you were like really close to. And he's like, they were like, Nope, man, I never thought of it. They're like, well, five years isn't that long. They're like, yeah, but it is pretty long. <laughs> <laughs> and like, like they had like that weird moment of like, that was weird that neither of us thought about it. But they're like, but we're not about to think about it now. Yeah. yeah. You know, and you're just like, and it just sort of like kind of got glossed over where you saw almost like, that was kind of weird that neither of us fucking called, you God, know. Jesus, if you, om- if you broke up with the FAA again. <laughs> <laughs> The filmmaker just run to get a camera. Yeah. Oh, oh my god, <laughs> it's happening! You, like, y- you kind of want in a good documentary these like moments of intimacy where you get to like really get to the person who's there, and and it's tough because yeah. like you always know you have a camera in your face, so you're like gonna be naturally yeah. a little a little more guarded. And also, there like I haven't I haven't seen this this the BFA documentary yet, but it sounds a lot like the Conan O'Brien one post. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it. Yeah. Yeah, it was his his road tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was just like, yay, I'm Conan O'Brien. Oh, I have to do all this press junket stuff with radio interviews and stuff. But everything's fine. It's not really that bad. It's just more like that they never, like, they never really, like, drop their, like, too cool for school personas in the... In the documentary, like, like just, just like the, the, like the basic outline of the band, right? They go from nothing to like being colossal, touring like 330 days in a year, touring with Nine Inch Nails, like from it was like two years, right? And they went from basically doing shitty yeah, barroom shows like, like, like to touring with Nine Inch Nails, yeah. and then they break up and do not speak to each other for five years, and then are a headliner at Coachella. Like it's that, that's a gargantuan story, yeah. and they never let down the guard anywhere in the documentary. Yeah, exactly. Except possibly that one scene after the show at Coachella where they're like, "Oh man." We fucked up everything in that set. Like yeah. we, we well played also all their also songs the, wrong. The, 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 the there was the scene of the first practice, which is like yeah. they didn't they didn't let their guard down, but them not letting their guard down was like palpable. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, they yeah. were like actively not like it was they, they had the camera in there for the first practice together and it was like getting ready for the Coachella. Fucking yeah. weird and awkward. Yeah. Like they were like barely talking and then like where Keeler just like shows his car off and yeah. you're like, This is fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> like he's just like, Look at my cool car. It goes like real fast. He's like, I drive a piece of shit. He's like, check this out. The door closes itself. And you're <laughs> like, what the fuck are they doing? It was like the most awkward conversation between friends ever. Yeah, and that because that's the rest of the footage or because they had some sort of say over the Well, that's I don't know. Yeah. The documentarian was also, is also Sebastian Granger's wife. Yeah. Which I feel <laughs> like certainly contributes to maybe not pla- spinning things. But you kind of got the impression, like, they talked about this, like, this, like, weird game of cat and mouse that they played during that opening, uh, during the first practice. Like, one would play, and the other would go fiddle with equipment while one was playing. And the other one would play, and the other one would, like, stop and, like, They didn't want to, like, interrupt each other they or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and they were, like, and Sebastian was, like, yeah, I felt it was super tense and, like, super awkward and super weird. And Keeler was, like, 
I just thought it was being weird, man. Like I didn't. I was <laughs> like, why did you stop playing when I started playing? Like I thought this was like Keeler didn't even realize that there was like this game of like cat and mouse on. He was just like super detached and like didn't get it. But the stranger was like super sensitive and he's like, oh, I, I was almost sure it wasn't gonna work out. You know, like fucking. Yeah, yeah it sounds like the gesture was not really to either show the dark stuff or be there when dark stuff was happening. Yeah. Yeah. Al- also, and and again, like I said, I get the impression that they're so guarded that like it would be like one in a million chance to be there with the film for that like five seconds of actual interaction because they all they both seemed like incre- like they're just like those people who are just like incredibly preoccupied with like fulfilling their image kind of thing. Like yeah. they like yeah. you know what? Do you understand what I mean? Like yeah, they were like maybe I I'm not sure I, I I totally agree, but I do think they're like two men who are just like very closed off with this thing. Yeah. I'm like that's fine, but yeah. but like then you're a documentarian, you're following them you're like married to one of them and you followed them around for literally a decade like one of my in one way yeah, or another yeah, yeah. you have the you had the time to get those moments. That's yeah. your job as a documentarian. I like they are there. Like one and of one and sift through 10 years of footage and tell the story. Tell the story. Yeah. yeah. Well the story's told, it's just not no, that no. compelling a story. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, not the story. You don't have a that's yeah. That's duty to tell the story yeah like all of that said like like i, I don't know I'm, i know i'm coming across real real harsh on this thing but like i love fucking death from above so hard yeah. and i could listen to them for fucking ever and I, I enjoyed my time there because of that love for death from above yeah exactly yeah. if you're a death from above fan i you think it's worth, worth yeah. watching just just to see some of the footage of some of their their weird shows and the weird tours and stuff like yeah. one of my favorite lines or like scenes in the film is just when they're like meeting their fans in Japan because it turns out that they were yeah. like super big in Japan, and Justin Keeler's like, I think like the girl's like, yee, she's he's like, I'm so nervous because she's so nervous to meet me, and I'm just a dude, <laughs> like, and he looks yeah. like legitimately like he's like super uncomfortable. She, sh- she should not be nervous to meet me, you know, like, yeah. like I'm just a fucking guy. Like the other one too, the other the other little clip that you talked about, like showing some of that. Yeah. Was that footage on the bus, which was like it sucks oh yeah. there's like yeah. no more. It's like literally the tour bus and it's like Keeler is like hammered like woo like chugging po- from a bottle of vodka. Yeah, like chugging from like a bottle of vodka, fucking like techno dance party on the bus, and then they go through one door and it's just Sebastian in the back of the bus quietly on a computer. And the cat's like typing away, you know, like <laughs> And you're just sort of like you're like that right there and like yeah. a single shot is like you're like, Well man, that's what went wrong with the fucking <laughs> band. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like you're like, there's everything that happened wrong with this band right there. Like, but like that cross frame should be the poster of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Almost, the yeah, disconnect, exactly. you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Same thing, too, with, like, the, the footage of him as Mastercraft. Yeah. Where he, like, he, they, the interviewer asks him, like, one question, but he's there as Mastercraft, and he, like, shits on drummers and gets up and leaves the interview. Like, he's like, it doesn't matter if the drummer's, like, some guy playing the drums or, like, a drum machine. Good music is music. He just gets up and leaves, and you're like, the fuck was that? Like, <laughs> okay, this is this is the greatest line of dialogue that came out of the film, and uh, it's kind of sad that it didn't come from Death from Above. But they were interviewing oh, um, Justice. They were there, and they're like, so um, you guys are like a like a famous duo, musician duo, and you guys have been been touring together for a long time. How do you how do you stay close and like not fight with each other? And I don't know, I don't remember which one it was. Was it, was it Gaspar or Zebu? Yeah, yeah, he like it was Gaspar. He looks at the other one. He's like, uh, we sit each other speak for love. And then they're <laughs> not in the movie cut. anymore. <laughs> that's 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 their only dialogue in the in the movie. <laughs> Hilarious. So yeah, if you're a DFA fan. Check it out. Yeah. Absolutely watch it. Scott. I am, but it doesn't sound like a ringing endorsement. So, 
I think if, if like here's here's my for real recommendation to it is if it pops up on Netflix, <laughs> like oh DFA, like late yep. night late night Netflix wise, you'll be entertained. It's pretty short. I think it's like an eighty minute runtime, so yeah, yeah. you know like it's not a. Oh, speaking of popping up on Netflix, <laughs> did you finally see The Godfather? No. It's on Netflix. Okay. The Godfather and The Godfather Part Two. Maybe three is, but I, I think you're not supposed two. to watch that. I yeah. don't know. I just watched this movie. I watched this movie called Tricks a while ago that I that both of us that was just terrible. I don't <laughs> think he makes good movies. Holy <laughs> shit, Scott. Now you have no excuse. The movie is right fucking there. It's a, it's a treasure of American cinema. You have to go fucking I watch it. Just I need a person who never tried Coke. Cocaine? Like Coca-Cola. Why oh. would you not try Coke? Cocaine? Well, it just, that was the thing. I, I, there's definitely no reason not to try Coke. <laughs> but but Coca-Cola. It made her special. She was just like, yeah, I'm that person who never tried Coca-Cola. Scott, you are not I'm special not by not, not seeing this Godfather. movie. You are an idiot because you have not seen The Godfather. Did you read that article about that girl who lost her virginity or saved her virginity from marriage, uh-huh. and then like deeply, deeply regretted it for not for for that reason? Was that being a virgin became part of her identity? Uh-huh. She's like, she's like, it wasn't even that I was like, oh, like the sex was terrible, or I should have been more sex. She's like, that's not what fucked me up about it. She's like, going through high school, it was like so and so the virgin uh-huh. dating. It was like so and so. The virgin, like, if you're dating her, she make make sure it's very clear to not like give any false assumptions. Right. I'm gonna stay a virgin till marriage. And she's like, it became part of my identity uh-huh. that I was a virgin, and now that's gone. And she's like, so like a major part of my formative years was like this core thing of like I am a virgin. Scott, I want you to take advice by this retarded virgin. Okay, she she waited until <laughs> marriage, and it was totally not worth it. And if and you go through your life and you don't see The Godfather, you're gonna regret it. Exactly. Well, you probably won't because you'll be dead. But, but you know, you should see Whatever it. Anyway. It's, it's not. <laughs> it's not. A, it's not that. I, it's not something I've actually regretted. It's not the the thing that makes you special. Uh-huh. Uh, I read the book. Yeah, I, I haven't read, read the, the book. book. I read the narrative, and I was like, oh, that's fine. Yeah. Scott, legitimate question: Is what is the thing that makes you special? <laughs> what I was actually <laughs> thinking about. <laughs> I wasn't listening to him either. I was really hoping that we were going to get to this. <laughs> Scott, what makes you special? <laughs> <laughs> it's not the thing that makes me special. Well, what is, Scott? <laughs> Come on. I have uh, a very in-depth knowledge and very trivial use of facts that one day I will learn to monetize. Uh-huh. I, I feel like you could start by blogging about things. You <laughs> 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 uh, have a pretty sweet comic collection. I have, I have a pretty sweet comic collection. Oh, I'll give you That's that. That's true. Did you read the that comic collection? No, no, no. I'm like f- I'm like three pages into it, and I, I picked up something else. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, no, but I, I lent John the omnibus Father of the Church. Oh yeah. Good comic. Speaking is of reading, it? is it a good comic? I haven't seen Father of the Church. Oh, I haven't read it. I know I've it is on like a list of important comics. Important comics. Here's the thing that I'm reading. Science. The Science of Interstellar, <laughs> and I keep getting into little bits and pieces of like my big questions. Okay. And get this. So if you've seen Interstellar, have you seen Interstellar? I have yeah. not seen it. Yeah. Okay, you should see it. It's great. Do you know uh, some of the big sh- yeah. some of the big problems that nerds have like complained about? Okay, enlighten me. They, they maybe I'm they not get the only one who doesn't know these problems. They get incredibly close to a black hole. Yes. Uh, and a lot of people are like, why don't they get crushed and whatever? Right. And now they're w- I'm at the part where they're explaining the anatomy of the gang theory, which is this black hole. This is going to get like pretty sciencey, and I might fuck this up. Uh-huh. So if you're like a big science guy. I might screw this up. What so you should do is write a very critical letter to Keith. and Just and then start with him using the word anatomy yeah. while talking about black holes. Oh, no, dude. This is Kip Thorne's word, is the anatomy of Gargantua. Uh-huh. So if Kip Thorne is saying this word, actual astrophysicist 
Kip Thorne, who's the anatomy of the black hole. I'm fucking a-okay with it. So here's the thing. Black holes can usually spin at the fastest 0.998 of the speed of light. That's pretty fast. That is pretty fast. Yeah. However, they can theoretically spin faster. Huh. So gargantua, this is in order to accommodate for the fact that one hour is seven years uh-huh. on, uh, on Miller's planet, this is getting a little bit into the plot. I don't want to get too much into the plot. We'll yep. stay with the science. Has to be spin. And he was like, he was like, no, Christopher Nolan, that's impossible. Like, uh, like the planet would need to be like in the black hole or oh whatever. Right, he was yeah. like, make this fucking work. So then he was like, okay, it would be if it was one, like one trillionth of a degree away from the speed of light. Huh. Now the thing about black holes spinning so fast is that at that speed. If you were going with the spin, it would be counteracting the gravity. So you could get incredibly close to it without getting crushed because you're fucking spinning at very close to the speed of light. You're passing the event, and so presumably the fifth dimension creatures or whatever else like that, they didn't actually enter it, Mm -hmm. and they just got incredibly close to it. But you could get much But wouldn't they have to accelerate to that close to the speed of light to land on the planet? No, 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 not to land on the planet. This is when they slingshot around. Oh, okay, okay. So when yeah. they drop themselves off, they get closer and closer and closer to it yeah. and presumably never actually got into the black hole, yeah. but also never got, like, ripped apart by the gravity because they were going nearly the fucking speed of light while they did it. Huh. Because they were, like, the – and they talk about uh, fucking – There's a bunch of sequences in the film where they approach very high mass things and then people yeah. outside of the, the that gravity effect travel through time differently as, as – yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like a core part of the film. Yeah. So anyway, so it's how the black hole can't special relativity. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that's the the thing is that black like there's a thing called uh this is where I'm gonna fuck it up uh-huh. where like a shell of fire which is like the light uh, that can spin around. Fucked it up. Yeah, this is definitely a shell of fire. Okay. I don't know. I was I was just the term is absolutely shell of fire. But there's like black holes have been shown to have like rings of light occasionally around them. Right. And they were like if a black hole could suck everything in that ring wouldn't be there. But the fact that it can, like, that something could get close and not get pulled in has to do with it going the speed of light. Huh. So it's like, yes, it is sucking some light into it, but because it's going the speed of light, it's not sucking all of it into it. So they'd have, like, this bigger window than you normally should be able to have because of the speed that Gargantua is spinning at. That doesn't sound like a film that can be filmed in Britain, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Right? Uh, although it was a delightful film, and I yeah. recommend it highly. Like this was like a ha- hardcore sci-fi it. film, super freaking fun, great acting, a little sentimental, but yeah, like yeah, what for sure. Yeah. Was like I, I like put Michael Caine in the movie as a fat old man. Yeah. There, yeah. There's gonna be some sentimental moments. Yeah, but McConaughey. McConaughey. No, he, he'd turn he's a detective, down. man. After True Detective, he can do he Lincoln can, I, I believe he can act. So. Oh man, you so know what else got up on on Netflix? Fucking Killer Joe is on there. You want to see McConaughey McConaugheying all over people? <laughs> you should really see Killer Joe. I watched on Netflix a movie called Haywire. Haywire. Yeah. Hey. Wire. What's that? I it's it's a straight up action movie. Um, it's directed by Steven Soderbergh, who did the Ocean's Eleven movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, no one's heard of it, but everyone's in it. So right. Like Ewan McGregor, Michael Douglas, Antonio Banderas. Uh, is it awful? Channing Tatum and 
It sounds like Red. Bill Paxton that just like had everybody was a dumb actor. Yeah, but like, but Red at least I've seen. Red had posters and stuff. Yeah, like so you're like with that cast plus Steven Soderbergh. Yeah. And then how did this movie just yeah, yeah, show up? The real on question is, was it terrible? No, it was totally awesome. Uh, the Weird. the lead is that girl whose name I'm forgetting now. Sounds awesome. Because she was an MMA fighter, a kickboxer. Oh, uh, Ronda. Not Ronda Rousey. No. The the one who was on American Gladiator and passed away. Iceberg. Crush. <laughs> name was Crush. Don't you remember, Key, if you watched I remember Gladiators? I do not remember what her real name was. It uh-huh. just Hulk Hogan kept referring to her as Crush. Yeah. So she's she's like, uh, who else? Michael Fassbender's in the movie. Crazy. Um, right? Oh, there's fucking here. Uh, she was basically a kickboxer who then turned into an American Gladiator who then started making Hollywood movies mm-hmm. and made like a terrible movie and then Steven Soderbergh put her right away into this action spy thriller thing. And then Wait, when is this from? 09. Okay. So like pretty modern. Yeah. Um, and because she's a former MMA fighter trained Thai Muay Thai kickboxer, mm-hmm. when she gets into fight scenes, they really look like they hurt. Like, this yeah. is not Sarah Michelle Gellar throwing a roundhouse punch. They're just like, <laughs> really nothing is worse. <laughs> her kicks. Sarah M- nothing is worse in the world of fighting than Sarah Michelle Gellar's kicks. I'm Gina Carano. Gina Carano. Gina Carano. Okay. Um, at one point, she and in, in interviews later, she's like, yeah, um, the fight scene with Michael Fassbender, he threw me against the wall at one point way harder than he was supposed to. Like, I banged my head against the wall and kind of grayed out a little bit. And Whoa. then I kicked him in the knee and he fell down. Like, <laughs> and I was like, I read that and I was like, yeah, that was that time she kicked him in the knee. And I was just <laughs> like, my knee hurt watching that. I was just like, oh. It was like <laughs> one of those those kickboxing swooping sidekicks yeah, that yeah, just, yeah. just hits the knee. And like he's the one that exploded Anderson Silva's leg. Yeah, and and Fassbender's obviously not ready for it. Not Anderson <laughs> Silva. <laughs> he, he does not block it. It hits him in the knee and he just like his weight goes out and he, he, he falls down. I was just like, hmm. And that was the whole part. It was like think born identity, but with a female protagonist. Hmm. Yeah. That sounds pretty good. It w- yeah. totally watchable. Totally very cool. What was it called again? Haywire. Haywire. Speaking of MMA news, you heard the big MMA news? Do they have somebody? Yeah, I totally heard the big news. Yeah. 2015. Yeah. They Pipe signed bomb. CM Punk. Yep. Signed CM Punk to the <laughs> to the UFC directly to the UFC. So he has a zero zero record. He has a zero zero record. Uh-huh. And supposedly Dana was talking about it. People were like, "Oh, they said the bullshit, and he's like a star, and he shouldn't get a shot." And he's like, "Yeah, but he's going to be fighting other people with like zero zero and like zero and one records and whatever." Yeah. And they were like, "So the UFC has over five hundred fighters technically under its banner." Wow. So he's like, and they they do how many of those other zero zero fighters sold a job? pay-per-view buys facts and also they're like a lot of those people are not ever going to get on tv basically ever right and they also do full match cards right like a ufc card has like what 10 fights on it typically like if not more for one pay-per-view yeah for one pay-per-view for the dark matches the web pre-show yeah exactly maybe even up to 15 some of them right like we remember when you watch the the Sam and May thing, like, when at our place, when you had the UFC buy for uh, UFC Hendrix? Uh, Hendrix? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a lot of fights, and, yeah. like, there were uh, probably some that we didn't see, you know? Like yeah. There were some on the web beforehand. or Yeah, exactly. Plus, all, plus all the developmental stuff that's not going to be on pay-per-views and whatever. And they were like, not a lot of people get to see 0001 guys 
fight, and not a lot of people will watch them fight. Right. But now it'll be Punk and someone else. There is gonna be somebody else in this <laughs> like in this fight who's gonna like get exposure. So and get wha- what are the odds that this is all part of a gigantic scheme with the WWF doing things very small? Yeah. But but did, did you existent is the fucked up part. You know, did you hear his Colcabana? Yeah, but then did you hear? Okay, so there's two two or three uh, things. Three things happened. Four things happened in rapid succession. Punk did the Colcabana part one, where he shat all over everybody. Then. In the WWE. In yes. the WWE, yes, including uh, talking about them like ignoring post-concussion syndrome yep. and like all sorts of like really shitty, really sketchy like things. Like mentioning doctors that would like t- like clear you to go back and fight when you're clearly not yeah, ready. Exactly. And you're saying like, I'm not ready. For yeah, exactly. Like mentioning current wrestlers who are dangerously hurting injuring him. people. Yeah, doctors by name. Yeah, wrestlers, wrestlers by, by name. name. Yeah. Then, but then also within that same thing, talked about his like his severance package he's like i can't really be that mad i can't talk about what my severance package was but it was like he's like i armored myself up with these badass lawyers and then was like hey wwe you want to go and they were like here's all your demands and a little bit more and then he was like oh oh okay <laughs> like that's what he said even on that podcast where he was shitting them he still couldn't talk about the severance then vince mcmahon was on stone Cold podcast which is a really big thing yeah. crazy shoot interview from vince mcmahon which is like a never before seen thing him referring to talent as by their real names and stuff like him shitting over current talent yeah hi- him also shitting on current talent <laughs> okay like which uh, people say uh cesaro is the guy he's got all the skills he just doesn't have it you know whatever it is that makes stone cold steve austin stone cold steve austin cesaro doesn't have it like <laughs> yeah currently, currently on the currently roster paying him to perform on television for yeah. your company right. like shitting on cr- on like exactly like shitting on current roster too which is also like a crazy thing talking about the punk thing being like oh i wish it went like way differently and yeah. like there's a lot of lessons we could have learned and then not like a ton of it then punk does his follow up with Colt Cabana and is like which was more like to answer like fan questions after the initial thing uh-huh. and he was like well, I can't tell the future. If I were to be saying I would never come back to the WWE, that might make me a liar. So I don't think that's a terrible thing because Bret Hart. Yeah, exactly. So then Punk signs to the MMA yeah. wi- or the UFC, which the UFC and the WWE also have a pretty big working relationship, right? Where there's where oh. Triple H fucking walks yeah, but like, like down the aisle and everything. Isn't like CM Punk's whole deal that he like keeps his shit real? When he's up, yeah, exactly. all of his talking, he's like straight talking to the audiences. He just yeah. like sits down, like gets ev- on the like mic. Like as every deal, as everybody says, they were like, in any other case, you'd be like, this is the work. This is work. like when Taker showed up for Brock. Yeah, exactly. Whatever up like that. But it's like, but like Punk has always said, like if you watch the Punk documentary, he's like, one day I'm gonna pull one on everybody. Like he said it. He's like, that's his goal in his career, is to like trick everybody he's like as everybody knows wrestling is fake and he's like as much as possible i try to like blur that line w- and he's like and if i can like if i can convince you something i'm doing is real when you know that what i'm doing is fake he's like that's like the biggest win possible so you're like fuck <laughs> <laughs> like as a fan you're just like what the fuck is this i don't know i think a comment like that like i don't want to say anything down the future because that would make me a liar is just it's just bret hart well bret hart fucking brock fucking sting like, <laughs> Sting, Sting showed up at a pay-per-view. God, goddamn, Vince McMahon said uh, Sting will be at WrestleMania. Like, Sting will be at a WrestleMania, and it's absolutely going to happen. Yeah. Like, fuck. Yeah. But Bret Hart, like, 
Yeah, exactly. That was a dude with a real mat on. Like, like do whatever, whatever. You fucked my career over and, and then killed my brother. Yeah, exactly. And then he was like, oh, yeah, I'll go to the Hall of Fame. Like, <sighs> Facts. Uh-huh. Anyway, very exciting. Yeah. And it's just kind of interesting that a guy is essentially, like, in a way, taking on a business. <laughs> like, CM Punk is, like, challenging the WWE almost. But like wasn't he one of the top billing guys? He was, Absolutely. like, a beloved member. They cheered his name for, like, m- like months after he left the company. They are still cheering his name, and it's been okay. nearly 12 months. So, I, you know, I feel like I feel like it could be next level. I would be so excited if it was next level. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where the fans made it happen. Like, CM Punk interacted with the fans in a way and made it happen. Yeah. And then well, cause the Punk powers that be did weren't 100% behind it and tried to like at slow it down and stop it and devalue the CM Punk brand. Mm-hmm. And when you're a guy like that who's just, like, confident enough to say, uh, fuck you, I... He's like my this. my my personal brand is bigger than your brand. Right. Is essentially what his like his gamble was. Like he's like I'm still going to make money. And like before even this UFC stuff, he was like doing appearances on Talking Dead. He was at Comic-Con like doing stuff with the Nerdist. He was like making videos Cause like cuz fans can make stuff happen in WWE. Yeah, like and Daniel Bryan is like a perfect example. Uh I think a better example is Christian. After Ed retired, fans were like, Christian deserves a shot. He got the title shot and had to drop the belt the next day, and the fans didn't want that to happen. Yeah. So they gave him another shot, and he won the belt and held it for a couple months. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the WWE was so determined to not have him be the face of the company that they changed his gimmick and made him the whining, one more shot, I need another chance, please, I need another chance, to the point where they devalued him because they didn't want him to have that high value. They didn't want him to be the guy. So or, or even Zach, though even or though the Zack Ryder, Zack Ryder, or Fandango, yeah, like exactly. They were doing the Fandango at baseball games, yeah, fifty thousand people singing his theme song, and they were just like, yeah, you're not the guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, I, I don't care if people like you. We don't want to sell you. Yeah, exactly. And whatever. And I mean, like Punk talked about that on the Cabana podcast too. He's like, he's like, a lot of people sort of judge me from like be like backing away because he's like one of his famous quotes that he said before he backed off was to be like oh you're not going to change what he's sitting on the couch in Chicago is what I told myself right and he's like but I feel like I was wrong <laughs> he's like because he's like I don't think Daniel Bryan would headline Wrestlemania if I was around I don't think Daniel Bryan would have got that push he's like I don't think the fans would have gotten behind him because he's like not to like shit on anybody but he's like the Daniel Bryan fans are the CM Punk fans and they were kind of split, supporting both. But it's Punk gone. They supported Brian like a thousand percent. You know, so it's like he got an even bigger push than possible. He's like, I don't think the Shield would be headlining if I was still around, because he's like, they, like there was a void where guys got to step up into that void. Turned out it was the Shield, you know. And he's like, and other than like Roman Reigns, none of the guys in the Shield have that like look of what the WWE typically goes for, you know? So it's like, he's like, there's a lot of things that happened. And he's like, was it because I was gone? Or did they do it to spite me? To be like, yo, here's some of the shit you were talking about. He's like, I don't really know, but I know shit changed when I left. So maybe I did do something good. He's like, I don't know. He's like, that's just conjecture, you know? Like, right. but he's does like, who knows? Okay, so anyway, does he have a fight scheduled? Uh, not yet, no, but no, he's, uh, it's he's, de- he's going to be debuting in 2020. So okay. within the next 12 months. I don't think it's terrible. 
Oh, he's, he's a guy <laughs> who's regularly in film. That's it. Well, he's, he's trained with uh, Gracie. Big time. Like he's hmm. the he's a marathon runner, isn't he? Yeah, he's not the. He's not Usually Breeze. Yeah, exactly. Like that's the other thing too. Is there's like there is a certain while it doesn't necessarily translate into like combat skill. Like wrestlers have crazy endurance, and they also like can get hit and then get up and do things. Like sure. it doesn't necessarily translate, but it's certainly like it's more translatable than anything we know. Well, it's not like he's <laughs> a figure skater, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like. Like oh okay. yeah, mean, there are there are some differences than than Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar was a two-time world uh, NCAA wrestling wrestling champion. Like yeah, the best this amateur is the guy wrestler. Who chewed on meat and then got a yes, yes, yeah. Yeah. But but he had he had a background in throwing people around who did not want to be thrown around. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Who were trying to throw him around? Like he had a, a skill set that was truly different. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Maybe maybe CM Punk can do some Brock Lesnar stuff, or maybe he'll do. Well, the other thing too is con- like Kimbo Slice for he might Kimbo a lot Slice of hype it, and, and get knocked out by someone who's practiced like a pepper hurting fighter. people. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But that's the other thing too is that like Brock Lesnar, a lot of people have talked about he's like a genetic fucking anomaly too. Like his speed with his size and like the musculature, musculature and, and stuff like doesn't like a guy that big shouldn't be able to move as fast as he does. He's just like bone structure and everything just kind of like comes I, into I read that same thing about um who's that YouTube streamer guy? John Cena. 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 Yeah, yeah, I read yeah. Cena for some reason has just like he has like joints that are like bowling balls that can just hold more muscle than normal people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah or I mean healing factor. Healing factor too. <laughs> I mean yeah, you, you, you see it in sprinters like and stuff like that too. Like you're just like Usain Bolt is like yeah. doesn't matter how much you train, you're not gonna run as Usain Bolt because like his legs are longer and like his musculature and like whatever else is like. Sure, sure. Or what's his face, the swimmer from uh, America who would like who won every swimming. Michael Phelps. Yeah, Phelps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like super long upper torso and all that shit. It's like yeah. it doesn't matter. I had another thing I want to talk about, but I don't know if Ben wants to talk about it. We'll talk about it quickly. Why don't you bring it up? I'm just we'll saying, do you guys have anything else? I don't want to. I feel like I've gone for. So this is fucking crazy. Yeah. I my intended segue was to do this while we were still talking about science. I know I fucked it up. This is like a science linguistics thing. Okay. Where they talk about have you heard about futured and futureless languages? Does this ring a bell in any way, shape, or form? Not whatsoever, but I know English doesn't have a future tense. But English does have a future tense. You can do something in the future. No, we do not. Yeah. You well cannot conjugate a verb in the English language to the future. But it it, it still it but it still exists. You have it will rain. Whereas in Chinese it rained today, it rained tomorrow, it rained yesterday. We have rain, okay, but it and it will. It will rain. Yes. You have not conjugated the word You rain. haven't conjugated rain. That's fair. That, that's what I'm saying. However, but we can express verbs in the future. Yes. And there are various degrees of language on how much a language can express the future. Right. And apparently, like, China, or Chinese, is one of the least futured language. It's almost a futureless language. Okay. Because, like, you will literally say, it rained tomorrow. Like there is no it will rain tomorrow. It's like you you're putting it into the future by saying when it happens. Sounds like, like the same thing to me. You're just talking. No, no, no. This is fucked up because it's not the same thing. Okay. Because now people who have no future in their language are 30% more likely to be good at saving money. What? Exactly. Isn't that the opposite? No, it's not the opposite. If you have no future, why would you save money? Because you cannot differentiate between the money you will have in the future and the money you have now. Or not that you cannot, but you are more intrinsically, like, you are like, because saving money for when you're old is, like, I am saving money. It's not I will have money when I'm old. It's I have money when I'm old. 
It's fucking weird. Like, look this up. What See, did you read about this? It was on a TED Talk. It uh, was a lingu- linguistic study, and it was like the various degrees of how much a language can represent the future mm-hmm. has a correlation to how economically, like, forward thinking. Forward thinking they are, huh. and and it's not the way you think, because they're like because if you have a future tense, you can put off saving. If you don't have a future tense. Saving is immediate. I, I would really like to see the logic that that arrives at that, and not some other explanation. Because that's it w- it's, it's not it's not it's not only saving. Saving is just like the the sort of what they what they grab onto because it's like the easiest to be like, holy shit, you're not sa- you're not saving money. But there's like a million like other things like uh, like generally like taking care of your health more or whatever. Like I might become sick versus I will like I am sick in a few days, you know? Like, it's just kind of, like, like very, very subtle things. And, they're like, it's also not a monstrous change, but, like, usually it's 25 to 30% was sort of the number that they were looking at in, like, terms of, like, more success in doing things that are good for your future when your language is less good at expressing I, I'm really not sure. How would they, like, disassociate the cultural influence on these behaviors and, and like, prove that it's purely a linguistic influence? Well, then they based it on other languages. Because like I'm pretty sure that the 1.2 billion Chinese people living under a communist regime <laughs> <laughs> kind of will skew the numbers yeah. Yeah. one way or the other, whichever way that they're doing it. Yeah, exactly. Statistically. The other thing, too, is when they talked about um, doing studies on English where you use the language like in the, immediate the immediacy of English, mm-hmm. how people respond to it better. What do you like mean the immediacy of English? Like, if you're just sort of, like, um, like start your retirement early and, like, start your, like, whatever, how we respond to that better. Because you're, like, the sooner you put your, like, the, like the notion of stuff into our heads, the more immediate that it is, the better we respond to it just based on English. And it's, like, an, a problem with language. It's fucking crazy. Look it up. Well, d- maybe you could include a link to this TED Talk in the show notes. All right, the I podcast. will. And then you, g- and then you can watch it. Can but watch don't, it. exactly. It's embedded right in your specific card. It has started talking over where we're talking. Yeah, yes. we, we could just anyway, play it in the background. Anyway, <laughs> it was fucking really interesting. And I was like, other than, and I will admit, other than this guy on the TED Talk, uh-huh. I was like, what the fuck? But, I mean, I feel like we do some background checks on TED Talk. of. Speaking I of I Chinese languages yeah. and governments getting in the way of things that people want to do. See, now we're at an hour. We're back I said to you British have porn. anything oh no, you want to talk about. <laughs> China uh, recently put a ban on a whole bunch of puns. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. And the best was the article where they were like, China attempts pun control. <laughs> and I was like, ah, <laughs> you did it. It <laughs> <laughs> uh, was an amazing thing. And we're almost out of time, so we should totally just Google Chinese puns. A lot of weird shit there are. But... Uh, I found it hysterical. I read a guy that was just like, we don't think people making fun things with our language is good. So stop. What kind of government would do that? England. Quebec. (laughs) 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 Oh, we're just saying. Language laws much? Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. Number 75. Number 75.
Uh, please take the time to like us on Facebook. We are number 9-T-O-5-T-O-T-C-T, number 5 Dog Company on Facebook. And uh, also follow us on Twitter. We're at Sign, number 9-T-O, number 5-C-C on Twitter. So, uh, and also be sure to check back on the site for something on Monday, probably. Uh, we have Zombies and Loading Apps and Bombs weekly on Tuesdays. We have a new comic in 9 to 5 Illustrated every Wednesday podcast every week, usually on Thursdays, either going to be a 9 a.m. or a go plug yourself. And on Fridays, we have fine art with Ether, Sophie, and Scott. And, uh, you know, maybe John will even uh, contribute one of his manga articles at some point, too. Who the fuck knows? All right, thanks. 9to5.cc. We're not working. Why should you? Thanks for listening.